Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. I spent the first five years of motherhood, like completely giving up everything I was before I was a mom. Like we're no longer the person we were before. We are a mom. And that is all that we are, right? Whenever I would leave to go to a photo shoot, my oldest would come and cry. And what would I do? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I'm leaving. Mommy loves you. I'm so sorry. Yes. What is that doing that's telling her that mom going out and doing her passion and doing something that makes her happy is a bad thing? Because I would didn't want her to think it was more important than her. As moms, it's immediately like, do they think we love them or not? Are we choosing them or not? Yeah. We always think that that's the lesson in the moment when yeah. really they know we love them. They know that. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet you. Have some tequila and stay. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Bree Schmidt, the mom behind the thinking branch. You know the thinking branch, it's made you tear up, it's made you feel seen. She normalizes parenting, motherhood, and I feel like everyone shows their highlight reel. Brie is vulnerable. She shows what life is like with three kids, running a brand, trying to measure up to what other moms are doing. She talks about self-care for moms and taking care of your mental health. I just feel seen every time she writes something. And if you're not following the thinking branch, you need to do yourself a favor and go do that right now. Also, when you're done, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. That way you'll get an alert every time a new Squats and Margaritas drops. Here is my episode with Bree Schmidt. You're a writer, you're a photographer, you're a mom of three, you're a brand. Um, you're here today because... <laughs> I resonate with everything you write about. Um, I don't know you. Um, I, are we going there? Are we doing this? I think we should. <laughs> I think it's part of it because it's, you know, you know, I can't be a brand that's like own your story, live your truth and not let people in on, on what's going on. Should so I it? knew your husband in college <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's a wonderful man, very attractive, intelligent man that chose you to be his wife and is even luckier man in that regard. Now you're raising three beautiful kids. Yeah. It's just, we have a funny connection. I, I think it's hilarious. You know, my husband was a whole human being before I met him. Just like I was a whole human being too. I dated people. I hung out with people, all of the things, you know, and we're, we're 15 years married, three kids deep. And honestly, like when he actually had told me about you, he's like, Hey, there's a girl um, from college is kind of doing a similar thing that, that you are. And yeah. so that's when I started following you. And it's like, I think it's awesome. I think that it's awesome that we, you know, we have a different brand, but kind of a shared mission in what we're doing. And so it makes perfect sense that we're talking. Maybe that was the reason that, you know, you guys met a long time ago is because this conversation. That's exactly what I was going to like. It probably would have happened anyway, even like, regardless of the connection with your husband, we are doing yeah. the same thing. We're empowering women, moms, to share it all, be vulnerable, stop trying to be perfect and just kind of own what this stage of motherhood is. I have a four and a six-year-old and I feel like, is that your youngest is six? My youngest is six. Yeah. I, mm. I'm 10, eight and six now. And I was just, I was just part of an event that was for new and pregnant moms. And I was on a panel and they were asking me all these questions about that time in my life. And I had to hold back the tears as I was sitting up there because my baby will be seven in December. Mm. And the whole reason I started the thinking bridge was because of that 
time of life. But yeah, I'm in like, I am no longer toddler mom, but I'm also not mom of teenagers yet. I'm in this like in-between thing. So yeah, yeah we, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the shift season right ahead of you. Yes. There's challenges that come with each. It's like, you can't wait for them to be more independent and be potty trained. And then it's like, Oh, like he doesn't need me anymore. <laughs> it's like New challenges come talk about the thinking branch and how it was born. Cause did it, you were working for the calves at one point, like you couldn't yeah. have seen this career, like what you're doing now, like talk about how it was born. Yeah. So yeah, I worked in professional sports for five years and it was, um, another shared, I think experience that we have. Yeah. Uh, and I worked in, in sales and retention and I loved every second of it. I mean, I grew up an athlete. Um, but you know, when you work in sports, as you know, it's not just about the sport. I mean, it's, it's hard work. It's a lot of, and, and I, appreciated every second that I had there because it taught me a lot about business and prepared me to start my own business. But I, um, I did decide, um, when I was five months pregnant to leave and be like, well, hope this works out. (laughs) Goodbye salary. Goodbye, steady job. (laughs) And Hey, let's start a photography business and hope it works. And speaking of my husband, he was the one that was like, just do it. We'll figure it out. Like you, 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 I just want you to be happy. I want you to follow your dreams. And so, um, I started a photography business. And so, um, for, for the next couple of years, you know, I'm photographing families who have newborns and toddlers. And what I was noticing every single session was one, people were bringing me Pinterest pictures to recreate. We're like, we want this perfect picture. And then the mom was stressing out about how she looked, how her kids were acting and, and would, would be mortified if God forbid they had a meltdown in the middle of the session. And in my head, I'm thinking one, I get it because I'm a mom and I have those shared experiences, but two, why are we doing this to ourselves? And why is nobody talking about this shared insecurity that we all have? And so I started writing on my photography, social media pages with Mm. like, Hey, motherhood sucks sometimes. And no, I don't love bedtime every night. Sometimes I just want to go down and have a glass of wine with my husband and watch a show. But you're not supposed to say that. No, everybody feels it, but you said it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And nobody was saying it. And so I started saying it on my social media platforms and it was amazing the way it changed the way my clients came to sessions. They were just felt free and didn't worry when their kid threw a rock at my camera, which has happened. And, (laughs) and, and then I was like, you know, and I've, I've been a lifelong writer. I mean, I was a journaler. I like wrote a little novel when I was like third grade, like I've always been a writer. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start a page that's dedicated to this. And it, you know, I started it when my kids were four, two and three months old And it was my outlet as I was struggling with maternal mental health issues and navigating who the hell I was after leaving corporate world and becoming a mom and a business owner. And it has now exploded into this beautiful community of almost 140,000 people across Facebook and Instagram, where we connect on the real and raw things that we deal with in life and parenthood. And it has been the coolest thing to be able to take a passion and turn it into something that, um, I can provide my, you know, I can provide for my family, but also yes. like make this difference in the world. It's really fulfilling. Yeah. You found your calling, you found your purpose and you call yeah. it the thinking branch. Cause you're not telling yes. other moms what to do. You're sharing what you're yes. doing to give them something to think about. That was really, really important to me um, because I remember when I started the journey in motherhood, right? I was looking to the internet to tell me what to do. Yep. And I would read this blog that would be like 10 things that you should never do as a mom of a newborn. I'm like, great. 
I did eight of them today. I have ruined everything. Killing it. And so <laughs> I just realized that, you know, we, we don't slow down enough to create space to really think about our approach to motherhood. We just kind of run this hamster wheel and we don't know, are we acting because of what we read online or because of a piece of advice that someone gave us, or are we slowing down long enough to look within ourselves and go, what, what do I want to be as a mom? Who am I as a mom? And what do I want my kids to see? And, you know, taking out the mom piece, like who am I as a woman, as a person, as a wife, as a friend, when the world's telling me what I should be, um, what is that? And so the thinking branch, um, I just share personal stories. Um, and you'll always notice in my posts, I'm just sharing a story. And usually what happens is someone goes, Oh my gosh, like I had that same experience or I was thinking that same thing. And it just creates this connection where we're all like, can kind of exhale and go, okay, we don't have to put on the front, like take off the filter. I don't have to put on the smile. Like it's, it's hard sometimes to be, mom, a person in this world. And, and I think my most beautiful connections are with the people personally who I can have those conversations with. And it's just been really neat to watch it play out online too. Yes. You make other moms feel seen. I feel like you have scaled your business and your brand. And I'm always just like, I can't grow. And then I look at these mom accounts. I have a million followers and you have kind of like shown everything, your vulnerability makes other moms feel seen and like they don't have to live up to this standard that is not reality. And I want to get into like all the, you said so many things already that I'm like, oh my God, when you talk about like you're, you're on the hamster wheel and it's like, do you stop and think about yourself and what you, what you want to be as a woman? There's no time for that, Brie. There, there's no, I am constantly doing lists, like everything that you write, the to-do list, I'm checking things off in my head because so much falls on the mom and nobody talks about it. And when the dad, we love both of our husbands, but like when the dad makes a play, it's typically because you have set him up to succeed. My husband will be like, I got my son dressed. And like, because that size clothes is bought and washed and available for you. You got him dressed, but you couldn't have succeeded without all the mental like workload that's on the mom to set you up. And nobody says it. Nobody says it. And, but we all feel it. I mean, that's a load word. Like it can sometimes just make me want to cry thinking about it. You know, I I feel like it comes up a lot. Like when you go on vacation, you know, everyone's like, why what's come on, mom, it's time to go. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I got all of you ready. (laughs) no, I'm, I'm sorry that you have everything packed perfectly and no one will forget a goggle Yes, and, you know, and all of that. But you know, what's interesting and something that I have been really working on because, you know, I think that there's also this, I, this is something I'm like, I want to respect the fact that like my husband looks at the world differently than I do. He is, he's a different person. He has different styles about the way he parents and the way that he deals with things. And so sometimes it's like, you know, I, I know I'm just, I'm like that. I just, I'm always thinking ahead. And I always say to myself, (laughs) I just want a me for me. Like I want somebody to be two steps ahead of me so that I'm prepared to walk out the door and I don't have to think about it. Right. But I know, but I also know that that's a gift that I have. Like that is a gift that I give to my family that I do think of those little things to make the day go forward. And so I've had to learn 
to not so much be like mad at my husband that he doesn't do it, but more say to him, hey, it's really important to me that you say out loud when you notice it. Like when you see like, hey, you're leaving for a work trip for a week and all of your clothes happen to be washed so that you don't have to dig for anything. Just say that you notice it because that's like for me is my is just that affirmation of being seen. And so I think it caused a lot of fights with us in the past where I'd be like, you know, must be nice to do this. But like (laughs) there's also a lot of things that he does for our family that that I don't do. And so I've had to go instead of like getting mad at him, just say to him this is how you can help like the mental load is just show me like, it really is appreciation is like a huge piece of it. We're the same. Like, don't buy me something. Yes. Just see feeling like they appreciate and they see what you're doing. Like when you wake up in the morning and all like I make the lunches, but say he made a lunch. If I didn't hit the button and load the dishwasher, there would be no, it's like, just notice all of the stuff in the planning involves in being the mom and just notice it. But I would never think to like, tell him to notice it. I just silently like curse him out as I'm walking around like, oh yeah, it must be nice. Or sometimes it comes out, but I never thought to be like, could you, I just want him to know to do that. Yeah. And, 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 and seriously, it's like, he loves me and he wants me to be happy and he does appreciate me. I, I always say to him, I feel for you that you married the thinking branch because I'm the woman of words and feelings. I notice everybody's and, you know, and he and he over the last 17 years has, you know, slowly come to that. But like, I've just learned to not make him like guess, yes. like, why am I trying? Why am I playing? Why am I playing that game with him? to go, to make him go, well, let's see if he notices it or whatever. Uh, um, And just kind of say to him, and this was actually, you know, a really big piece during my uh, um, postpartum anxiety struggles where I just hid it from him and I didn't talk to him about it. And I was mad at him that he was trying to fix it all the time when all I needed was for him to just hug me, like just Mm -hmm. hug me when I'm freaking out, just hug me when I'm melting down that shit is hitting the fan and just don't try to fix it or tell me to calm down. Just hug me. And once I said that to him, cause he's a fixer, he wants to fix it. And I was like, fixing is the worst thing you could do in the moment. <laughs> so I say to him, this is exactly what I need from you when I'm freaking out. And then it takes the guesswork out. And then those yes. little fights and that and you brought it up. There's sometimes that like like yes. thing that we carry for them. And then it carries into like the car ride and then everywhere else when, and, and so that's why, you know, p- bring it back to the thinking branch. It's kind of this whole, my whole life life's work is for me to go. I constantly want to work on myself. Like I constantly want to get better. Mm-hmm. And when I see an area in my life that I can get better, like holding grudges against my husband who very clearly loves me and is a wonderful dad and husband, um, like, why, why am I holding a grudge for him? Right. That's on me. So what can I do to try to make it better? Right. And, and, and it's that constant. And that's what I want when I'm writing, when I share some of these things that people stop and go, wow, I've like never thought about how I've approached empathy. I've never thought about like when I, when I lose my, you know, cool on my kids and I'm yelling, I never thought about, Hey, like, what can I do before I go into a situation like morning routine? Like I now take a breath before I go downstairs and I'm like, it's going to be chaotic. I have three (laughs) kids who I forgot to pack their lunches last night. Somebody's missing a freaking shoe. And Mm -hmm. one person doesn't want to go to school because it's going to thunderstorm and she's scared. Right. I know because of the work on myself, I know that I'm going to, that that is a stressful thing for me. And I have to go, does it work all the time? No. 
Um, but, but, but that's one of those things. And so I think, you know, to the thinking bridge, like that's what it is, is just like, instead of just going through life constantly holding grudges or being frustrated about that, I'm like, okay, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So what can I do to make it better? Did you learn that through therapy? Yes. Like, okay. Oh God, therapy is the best, isn't it? Therapy is the best. And I, I found therapy through postpartum anxiety, which you just referenced. Like I am just a, like, I'm always like, I'm anxious, but it didn't like come out like big until I had my daughter, my first. And there was a situation where my husband was coaching college football, like in California, we never saw him. And I'm flying out to see him with my three month old daughter. And it was like, it's fine. Like I knew I could do it by myself. Like he wasn't around, he was coaching. So it wasn't that. It was just like, as soon as we sat down and they closed the door to the plane, Brie, like my whole body, I was like, it wasn't that I was afraid the plane was going to go down. It was that I couldn't stop thinking of all the scenarios. Like if everyone stands up, how am I going to get her out? And like, I'm getting chills now. Like I, I felt like I, I was like, I'm responsible for her. And like, you're not in control of everything. And it, it like, if she was not there and I wasn't the only person to care for her, I feel like I was on the verge of a panic attack, but I knew I just looked at her and was just like, I, but I've never felt that way. And I'm talking to the therapist and describing it. And she's like, it's anxiety. And like, it's so common. And I feel like some moms are just like, well, this is just being a mom. You're responsible for her now. But I mean, it was debilitating. And when I went to uh, talk to a therapist about anxiety, I'm talking like I am now. And I'm like, and things and better. And she's like, yes, there's anxiety, but she's like, there's something else here and what you're describing in your day. And this is the most debilitating thing for me. And I feel like we may have this in common. She's like, you're hyper vigilant. And if things are not happening and you are not being efficient, you can't calm down. And I'm like, absolutely not. And I hate that about myself. And I, I try to be aware of it. Like if my son is like, he'll like walk and then sit on his butt down the stairs and walk. And it's like taking a couple of minutes. I'm, I will be in my body. Like it just, it's fine. You're not in a hurry, but I'm like, let's go. I can't, I find myself being like, come on. And my husband would be like, why? And I'm like, cause it's bath time. It's, and he's like, but why right now? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just, we, it's not, we're not being efficient with time. Or if I go for a workout and there's not laundry going and I'm not getting something else done. I'm like, I feel like, and she's like, but what, like, who is holding you to the standard? And like, it's just me. I have to be efficient. And one other quick thing, we were coming home from vacation and nobody had to go to the bathroom yet. And you know, it's going to happen like probably in like 15 minutes. My husband's like, oh, I'm just going to get gas. And I was like, why? No one has to go to the bathroom. Like, why don't we get gas? He had a half a tank, Brie. And like, no, he's like, I'll just get it now. And I'm like, why would we stop now? Because when we stop, I can take the kids to the bathroom and get, he's like, are we in a hurry? And I couldn't like acquiesce and just be like, just get gas. And I was like, no, we, we're not getting gas now. Cause it's not efficient. And I hear myself, but I was, I couldn't let him do it because I was like, no, was, we're wasting time. But like, where am I going? Where, why am I, are you the same? Yeah, I can. Well, so I will say I used to be, um, and right. I can be, first of all, I just want to say, I'm sorry that you deal with anxiety because I think that for, for people like you and me who talk about it openly, it's kind of like, oh yeah, she, she has anxiety. Like mm -hmm. it is a struggle and you're very open about it. And, and it's a beautiful thing that like, I, I know you have the gift and I have the gift of being able to talk about that freely, Yeah. but at the same time, it is very hard and, and it, it is a very real thing. And by you just sharing that story about the airplane, there's somebody listening who's going, oh, 
Like that's not just mom worry. Like that irrational fear thing is irrational. (laughs) So I think it's important that you say that, but um, going back to the hamster wheel. So I call, I call these moments stick in the hamster wheel moments. Okay. So you're running a hamster wheel, right? And just imagine you like put a stick in the, you put a stick in it has to stop. Right. (laughs) And so I look at like my posts on the thinking branch. I want them to be stick in the hamster wheel moments for people where they go, Oh, like I don't slow down. Like I, I, I haven't thought about this because I'm running the hamster wheel, but I, I think that a lot of those of us who are constantly going and like, okay, like, like if I go out on a walk and like, there are a million other things I need to be doing. So I'm going to like, to your point, I'm going to make sure of the laundry in and like, make sure that I, you know, all, all the things so we're going to watch Netflix, but I'm also going to write a bunch of emails that I'm going to schedule send for tomorrow. Cause then, you know, all the things, Yes. but I think when we're wired like that, we naturally go, 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 and don't slow down and check in with ourselves. Of course, and I, heard you, I heard you say something and anybody who knows me will know that I'm going to call you out for it is when you what said, I, I hate myself for that. Or I hate that about myself. I do hate that about myself. I don't right? want to be that way. I yeah. want to be like, right. calm. Right. But how many, so, so I, so this goes back to like, you know, what as women, right. There's these little thoughts that go through our head all day. Right. I, I, I walk in front of my mirror in the morning and I'm like, Oh, there you are, Brie. You are the weight that you were when you were nine months pregnant with your um, youngest kid and you're going to be 40 and you have wrinkles and those jean shorts don't fit you walk away, mm-hmm. um, yell at the kids. Hey, you know, stop doing that. And then I walk up the door. I'm like, wow, you're a terrible mom. You just yelled at kids. Yes. So that word that you like, what you just said, like, I hate that about myself, right? Like how many of those thoughts do we have in our day? And, and when you put them, if you were to put them all on a list and read them, how awful we are to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that my therapist said to me, she's like, all right, Brie, you're a basketball player. She's like, how did you learn how to make free throws? I'm like, well, you just shot them over and over and over and over and over again until you got yeah. your form. Right. She's like, you have to do that when it comes to when practicing reframing, when you talk to yourself like that. Right. So when you say, I hate that about myself, you I, like the, my therapist would teach me to frame it as, you know what? Thank you thing about myself <laughs> for showing me that there's something that I want to be better at. Okay. So think about I how like different, that. like how different that sounds, right? Then, then I hate myself for that because that's, that's one thought and probably a lot that you have during the day. And I do it to myself too. But I think that we, as women, like we would never allow someone to walk in our house and talk to us like that, but we don't protect our own homes within our, yeah, our own yeah. bodies, but the way that we talk to ourselves. And so to your point though, I think we, we are so wired to go, go, go and do, do, do. And that, that is like how we're successful, right? In a business, you know, it's like, you got to do all the things you got to go, you got to go, you got to hustle because somebody else is always going to be beating. You got to work mm-hmm. hard in motherhood. You got to do all the things you got to show that you can do all the things. And yes, who, who decided that? Like who decided that that's what success is. And that's what motherhood is like for me. I can answer that for me. It's validation. Like Mm -hmm. your brand is way like mine. I'm not supporting (laughs) in our, I'm making money now, but I think for me, because my husband is a breadwinner, me doing all the things was my contribution. So Mm -hmm. it's like, he is financially responsible for us. And then I do every, literally everything else because it's like, look at how valuable I am. And I validate myself with, I have it right here. I always have it. 
my yellow notebook and all the, all the things that I cross off. And I feel like, look at all the things I did. It is validation for myself because I don't like make money, but it's not like he is saying you need to do all these things. It's completely self-imposed. And it's just noise that I have about, I don't know, like he saw his mom go to work. I don't work. So it's like, well, I work now, but I don't go to a nine to five. So I'm here. I do all the things to show my worth and validate myself. And I am trying to compete with or measure up to the friends of mine that I see go to a nine to five job, have multiple kids come home and still do the bass. And I'm like, well, cause my husband would be like, get a nanny. But I'm like, how, how am I going to get a nanny? It's like, it's cheating, Brie. Like, how am I going to get a nanny when all these other people can do it? And I've had conversations with women on my show, Adrian Peterson's wife, Ashley. And I was like, like you, you have two kids, you run this brand. You're always like looking like you just walked off a runway. And I'm like, how, and I'm like this every day. I was like, how do I not like, how do you get it all done? She's like, why, why do you assume I'm getting it all done? And I'm like, cause you're the mom. He, she goes, I have a housekeeper. I have a, someone that cooks our food. And I was like, what? Like, she's like, you are competing with something that you don't even know. She's like, people show their highlight reel. People show, I don't show that. She's like, I'll tell you though, I'm not doing all those things. So don't assume that you have to measure up to something that you don't even know what they're doing. And maybe they're not as open as you and I are in sharing about their struggles and they're struggling just as much as you are. And you're like making your life worse and not taking help or even asking for help because you feel to be validated as a wife and mom, you have to do all the things. And if I have someone helping me, I didn't do all the things. So it's kind of like, like I would go to bed, like when I go to bed and everything's crossed off, it's like killed it today. One thing not crossed off. My therapist is like, what happens if it's not crossed off? Like, well, I'm going to wake up and think about it. And she's like, why? Like, cause that's how my, I just, I have to have everything. It's validation. And it's like, why do I need to, why can't I just, I can't calm down. I need to do all the things to show that I can do it just like all the other working moms. And it'll, I'll run myself into the ground and be short with my kids and be a worse mom trying to be super mom. Yeah. It's exhausting, right? It's It's just exhausting. And, and it's, it's weird too, right? That we both live on this social media world that I think has made all of this be that way because we literally take in people's handpicked highlight reels every day. Yes. I mean, even me who I will, you know, there is, you know, I, I shared a picture squeezing my belly. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm willing to do that, you know, on there, but I still take 15 selfies to get the one that I want to post. Right. So even me, somebody who I don't care, like I'll be in no makeup and a, and a top knot and I don't care but I still struggle with that. And it's why, again, it goes back to this whole point, like what you just did in like talking out all of that. Most of the time we just live that way. We just do it that way and we keep going. But now you just spent five minutes talking about it. And now you're like, wow, this is a thing. Like, why do I do this? We don't ever stop and go, why do I do this? Or why is this the way that I am? And that's where the growth happens where you're like, okay, why, you know, so what is, so the world like is checking the to-do list really validation for me. And if it is some people, it is right then maybe there's something on there that you, know, you write down self-care or you write down something like for you, that's part of your to-do list yeah. that then it, that's part of it. But, but I think all of it is to say, you know um, you know, I'm certainly not a therapist, but I just think it's, we just need, we don't check in with ourselves enough to evaluate that stuff. And so then we just keep going and doing it yes. 
instead There's of no slowing time. down, why am I like this? Like, yeah, why am I doing, I'm doing that? That's a waste of time. Like I could be yeah. doing something else. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going to check in. And then I have guilt. I know you talk about self-care for moms. I feel like I'm like, I don't even, I wouldn't like hide that I was going to get a massage. I'd be like, well, I have a, because I would like not want to feel like I was like taking a break. Like I hold myself to a standard that is unachievable so that I'm always feeling like I'm just not measuring up. So this is what somebody said to me. So let me ask you something. Would you want that for your daughter, for her to, to slow down and take a break if she's overwhelmed? Yes. Okay. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, we're moms. We're not out on the town every night anymore. We're chasing our toddlers through our kitchen. But there are those times where you want just that little extra something. Maybe it's a girl's night, a wedding, a date night, a work event. If you're looking for that little extra confidence boost, you need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift delivers dramatic results to minimize the look of lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, those 11 lines that I have between my eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes. Guys, it works in four minutes and delivers results up to seven hours. I've tried it. I'm obsessed. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A liftbeauty.com and use promo code margaritas. You need this in your life. Shipping is free. You get 20% off. Go to rejuvaliftbeauty.com. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare podcast podcast on all podcast platforms. Now back to squats and margaritas. I spent the first five years of motherhood, like completely like giving up everything I was before I was a mom. I was like, that's what moms do. Like we're no longer the person we were before we are a mom. And that is all that we are. Right. But Mm -hmm. when I, and I would, I vividly remember this day, I was walking out the door for a photo shoot and I carry guilt of being a working mom because my mom stayed at home with me. I had the best childhood ever. Right. Like she was, she's wonderful. She, I felt cared for every day. My dad was wonderful too, who went to work, but like I go, am I now my idea of a good childhood is a mom who stayed at home with me. So am I robbing my kids of that by going to work? Right. And I I have that and conversation with my mom to go like, this is how I feel about it. And then she shared with me, she's like, Hey, there were days I wish I could have gone to work. And, you know, so it created this really cool conversation, but Whenever I would leave to go to a photo shoot, when I was doing full-time photography, my toddler, my oldest would come and cry. And what would I do? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm leaving. Mommy loves you. I'm so sorry. Like I'll see you in a little bit. I'm so sorry. Yes. What is that doing? That's telling her that mom going out and doing her passion and doing something that makes her happy and that makes other people happy is a bad thing. Because I would, didn't want her to think it was more important than her. Correct. In my mind, I was like, if I'm saying no, I'm, it's like, I'm choosing work. That was my concern. Yeah. So reframe that for yeah, me. So, so the reframe is I, I, and, and again, I, I did this with help with my therapists and some friends is like, I would lean down and I'd say, honey, 
I love that you love me so much that you're, you're going to miss me and I'm going to miss you too. But mommy has a passion and mommy's passion is taking pictures. And when I come back, I'm going to show you the pictures that I took. And we're going to talk about the things that you're passionate about, like what kind of things you like to do. So we immediately as moms, like, why do we do this? We, it's immediately like, do they, do they think we love them or not? Are we choosing them or not? Yeah. We always think that that's the lesson in the moment when yeah. really they know we love them. They know that. So it's like, we think that's the thing. It's like, no. And my friend actually, who she, I know she'll listen to this. She had this plans to go out with all of her girlfriends and our son's baseball team got rained out and the championship game got scheduled at the same exact time that she was supposed to go out with her girlfriends. Right. And she writes me, she's like, Oh my God, I do. I feel so bad. Like he's going to think that I don't care. And I said to her, choosing you is choosing your son because when you choose you, and you go out and you have that time with your friends and you release that energy and have just be able to disconnect, you are going to come back to motherhood so much more centered and happy, right? So you are choosing your son when you go out and choose to do that. Like, and we think that we're not, but we're, we're one, like coming back as a healthier, happier, more centered person Two, showing them that when they become parents, if they want to, and God willing, that they can do that too. Mm-hmm. So we always think it's like a choosing thing. It's like, no, like when we choose ourselves, that's part of choosing our kids. It yeah. just is. And, and, and I think that concept was the game changer for me. Mm-hmm. Like that was the moment I was like, yeah, like I am not, I am not a good mom when I don't do stuff like this, when I don't write, when I don't go to dinner with my friend, when I don't go walk the park, like I did on Sunday with my two girlfriends, when my husband and I don't go out on a date, like I am not a good parent and a good, and a good person. And so I talk to them about it. My kids know about self-care. They're hilarious. They're like, mom, my guy, I'm doing a podcast today. Mom, you're talking about self-care. You know, they know. (laughs) So, so I just talk to them about it and say, the reason that I'm doing this is because, um, me and daddy are going on a date because, mommy loves daddy, dad loves mommy. And it's important for mommy and daddy to have some time together. So yeah. we never and you're got showing like, them a, like a happy married couple, which you want your daughter to find a man that will, yeah, you're, you're modeling it, yeah. but you're right. Why do we go to like dirt? They feel like, like my son, I'll be like, hold on one second. He's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, Oh, one second. I shouldn't have. And it's like, it's so much harder on me. He's like, whatever. Every single moment. Like literally every moment of the, every choice that we make with our kids, we're always like, is this the right one? You know, did we do that? Right. Do we start? Well, someone that I can't remember who even said it now, they were like, if you are even having that thought, that means you're a good mom. She's like, the fact that you're concerned about being a good mom makes you a good mom. Some other moms would be like, I'm working. Like, so I was like, I guess she goes, the fact that you care about it is great. And I I wrote this down when you were talking, because I will admit this too. And I don't know if you deal with this, but like when you are a brand and you have like ideas and you're a creative, it is so hard for me to shut it off free. Like when you're like, when you were saying, mommy, will be back. I'll show you the pictures. I'm like, I would be back in like editing a podcast. I couldn't come. I I wouldn't be able to show her the pictures. I wouldn't because I would be, it's hard for me to turn it off and be present with them because I am passionate about this. And I feel like a lot of people don't say that out loud. Cause it's like, no, now it's time with my kids, but I'm like thinking about a blog post or like sneaking away to like write something down. And I feel guilt about that. Yeah. We don't know how to be present. It's like, even when we're like during the summer and during COVID, when they were home, every time I was at work, I was thinking about whether or not I was being a good mom. Every time I was sitting and playing a board game and trying really hard to enjoy it. 
I was thinking about all the things I could be doing to advance my business. Yes. So the key and the, and the trouble of it all is learning how to be present wherever you are. My therapist said to me, she's like, there's two types of people and you'll know which one you are. Cause I think we're the same. She's <laughs> like, there'll be two types of people sitting on a busy beach. Okay. One will be like, Oh, look at all those people. And Oh, they're looking, I like that swimsuit and looking over here. There's another person that will notice a boat way out in the ocean and go, wow, that's really beautiful out there. Like, look at the way that the wind is hitting the sail. And I wonder, you know, where that boat's going, right? That's my husband. I wouldn't see the boat. I would never right? see I would boat. see everything else. And that's, <laughs> that's why we can't, that's why you and people like you and me can't shut it off yeah. because we have it going all the time. And so like, I've tried so hard and gosh, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's hard. You're like now it's easy because my kids are in school. So I, this is my work time. Mm-hmm. But during the, the summer, we had to come up with the plan. Like Jason and I would sit down at the beginning of the week and I'd be like, all right, you're in charge Monday morning, which means if anybody needs a sandwich, if anybody wants to go somewhere, you are in charge because I, that is my work time. Right. And, and we would tell the kids, we're like, Hey guys, all right, today, daddy's in charge until noon. And mommy's in charge from noon to five. Wow. And if you need something because I needed that. That decision helped a lot of things. It helped me because it allowed me to go, all right, I'm not just working in parenting and working yeah. in parenting. It helped my husband and I, because we would constantly fight about who was going to make the lunch. He's like, well, I have a meeting. I'm like, well, I have a meeting. So like, who's going to make the lunch? You know, we yeah. like have that fight where it then took out that fight. Like we, we had already sat down and agreed to it and it helped the kids because, you know, I, 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 that's the struggle I have is when they come like, are you working? Like, can I ask you (laughs) something? You know, and you're like, Oh God, yes. But they know if they need something, this is the person that's available. Like, like, and, and, you know, it's, so it's not perfect, but 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 that was my way of trying to be the person looking at the boat. (laughs) Like, yes, this is my work time. I'm looking at the boat. I'm not worrying about the dishes or motherhood or anything. And again, I make that sound super easy. It's no, I've never thought, I I mean, my eight, the ages of mine, like four and six, they don't give a rat's ass if it's daddy's time. They're coming to find me. And yes. they will walk by him. I was in the shower once washing my hair. I, I'm trying to like open the door and my son's like knocking. I was like, what? To open a banana. And I was like, where is daddy? Standing by the banana. <laughs> you brought me a banana to open in the shower. And you, and daddy is sitting on the couch. I want you to do it. And I'll get, I'll be like, no, this is ridiculous. You don't need me to do it. Like why? He's like, you're, you've made it that way. Like you help him with everything. So he thought mommy's in the shower. Like obviously mommy does the thing. So I am like, I can't even open my eyes. I was like, what are you doing? Go give it to daddy. And he's like, Oh, okay. Like he doesn't even, they come to me for everything. And then I'll just, because I'm already spiraling with all the things and the lists and then something else. And then I resent my husband. Cause I'm like, can you get it? And they're all assume that he hears what's happening around us. Like, do you, like, but he doesn't hear. I've learned. He's like, I didn't even hear him like ask me or tell me you need help. But I'm like, I don't, it's like what you were saying before when you were like, I need you to come hug me. I want him to hear the things and give the help. So I don't say anything. And then I just get like bitching him later about it. And it's, it's going great. That's really working out well for us. Like I hear myself, I'm aware of the situation, but like, I don't do anything to change it. I don't, I don't want to ask for help. I want to act like I did all the things. I, I think taking this on too was like, I said I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. We've also been together for 17 years. Like literally everything is the same. This is um, this is funny. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not 
I'm, I couldn't wait. I didn't bait and switch Embry. I wanted to be a mom. That's all I wanted. Not that that's all because it's a very hard job, but I didn't feel fulfilled. Mm. And I think a lot of moms don't say that out loud. I felt like there was something else. I didn't know what it was. Never thought it would be what I'm doing now because I, I don't know how much you know about me. I used to throw up my food and I, uh, struggled with depression and I had no self-worth for 10, 15 years. And now I'm like helping women find their best self. And it's, it was a pivot for everyone. And my husband's kind of like, Oh, you have a show now you have a brand now. And I'm like, yeah. And so I was like, he's questioning this. This is not what I said I wanted to do. So I need to take this on and not let anything else drop. And so I tried that and like, I'm still trying that and it's a lot, but it's like, it's almost worth it as crazy as this sounds to be able to be like, no, I can do both. Like nothing's going to like, I will do this and keep up with all the mom stuff and nothing will change. And it, I am like running myself into the ground, trying to just do it all to show him that yeah. nothing will change. I did know that about you. And I think that, um, I just, I always have respect for people that can go through something that personal and, and share that with the world. Because again, you are not the only one that has gone through that. And yeah. it's like, it's not a club you asked to be a part of. Um, but when one person chooses to say something, you're suddenly like, okay, like let's work through this together. Right. Yeah. And I think that you mentioned that, like, we also have to remember that we all bring those stories and those truths into our motherhood and into our marriage. Right. And, and that's mm. why I believe every living, breathing being should go to therapy because yes. we all have the thing that we think is not is like over and done, but there are, there are things that we bring with us and that self-worth and that validation that, that you seek. It's like, it's like that, that all comes with it. And I think that, you know, identifying that that is part of like our lives, you know, I, yes. I, I had, um, my dear, dear friend passed away when I was 17, I was with him 20 minutes before he got into a car wreck. Right. And so oh it is, and I talk about him openly and often, um, I, I am, it is the reason I look at life the way I do, because I experienced at a young age, like life is, does go fast and, mm -hmm. and you have to live it all. Um, but I carry that with me. And so when people say, oh, that won't happen, it's like, well, I've experienced that trauma that like something could happen. And now that I'm a mom and I'm thinking about, you know, what God forbid I would do, like we all bring those stories and those traumas and those experiences into motherhood. And we mm -hmm. have to recognize that. And I think that what you and I are trying to do is break that stigma that has been around for generations that we just push through our shit and no one talks about it. Yes. We push through. No one needs to know that you just deal with it and move on. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not our parents fault that they didn't talk about it. Um, I have a lot of, I have a lot of people in my community, my thinking rich community that are my parents age and say, gosh, I wish I had something like this when I was growing up, but it just wasn't it. And so yeah. I think that part of what you and I are doing and part of our mission is to break those stigmas, to be able to talk about those things. So our kids don't have to spend all the time we're spending yes. breaking those stigmas. So I think it's, it's just, you know, it's a really big deal that you talk about it. It's a really big deal that you say, like, like I, I didn't think about where you said all of a sudden people around me were like, okay, you went from this to this, like, this is a lot. And you're like, well, I know it's a lot for me. And then the people who love you and have known you all of your life are now like, is this who you are? Like, what is this? And yes. so 
all of these things, like whether it's somebody listening, it might not be that identical story, but they have that something where something happens to them and you're trying to navigate all of that. Yes. And it's, it's releasing that thing. It doesn't matter if you're not doing it anymore. I'm literally prepping a Ted talk that I've already like pitched. You have to release it and acknowledge it. And for so long, like nobody knew about my bulimia. When I wrote it in the book, I had to like sit down with my family. And I was like, because bulimia doesn't make you thin. Well, for me, it didn't. I think everyone knew there was obviously something going on with me, but I was like bloated and puffy. So no one was thinking eating disorder because I wasn't skinny. So nobody knew what I was actually doing. And I stopped doing it. Like I haven't done it since like 18 years. And I was like, oh, for a while, like, thank God nobody found out about that. Like, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not abusing my body, but I never said it, even though it's not happening anymore. And you think you're past it. If you have not told someone wrote it down, like even when I wrote it, that part of my book, before I even sent it back to my editor, I was like, oh, I just felt like I could breathe and nobody else even read it. It was like the universe. I, I acknowledged it and let it out. And once you let go of the thing, like you said, it doesn't, whatever it is, like something that happened in your childhood. Uh, for me, I want to talk about this because I still hold on to, again, we're the same. I played soccer and soccer was my entire life. And I played at Dayton and well, I, I, I was on the team. <laughs> like I made it. And I, I listened to something you were talking about your daughter and like putting everything into something and how you have, you want her to be multifaceted and not put everything into one thing. Because for me, everything was soccer. I was a firstborn. I was a perfectionist. I trained all year long, played, got a division one scholarship, like thinking this is going to be great. It's finally, I get to play college soccer and I didn't play. And I didn't know what to do with that. And there was no mental health counselor in 2000 when I was in college. So I just, I, there's such a mental aspect of not playing, of like putting everything into something and not getting to see playing time. So I quit and soccer was the only thing that mattered to me. And when I quit, that was it. Like it was bulimia, depression, because I lost my identity. And I just want to be so cognizant of that not happening with my daughter. And like, since you're, yours is older, like, how do you make sure that she doesn't get like two, because she's the oldest too, right? Like mm-hmm. two perfectionists, because I remember like when I was younger, it's like, oh my God, she trains all year. Like Aaron's so driven and it like looks like a positive thing, but then it can like take a left into an eating disorder or something. And how do you make sure? And how do I make sure that my daughter doesn't end up like I was like obsessed in perfection and like nothing is good enough. Cause I don't want to like carry that on through her. Yeah. Well, um, in true thinking branch form, I don't think there's the answer, you know, it's like, I don't have the answer to it. I can share with you my approach. Um, and you know, my daughter, my daughter's a goalie. Um, and it's interesting in soccer too. Like when you're the goalie, like that's a whole other, you know, she's a goalie and there's a, there's a thing that goes along with that. And you need like your own coat. Like you had your own, I'm five ten, So everybody tried to make me a goalie. They're like, Oh my God, get in the goal. And I would just like, Flinch, yeah. like I was like, I'm not a goal. Like I, you either have it or you don't. Like I was afraid. I was like hiding. Yeah. But yeah, you have like a separate person that works with the goalie. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. She has a goalie trainer. Thank God for him. He's he's wonderful because he talks about the mental health side of it and how, like, as a goalie, you know, a lot of times at practice, it's like you know the team's practicing. Yeah. And then if like the team does what they're supposed to do and scores on you, it's like clapping. And then here's the goalie, like, yo, you just scored on me. So the the <laughs> mental health aspect of that, but. I think that, you know, it's, I have to be careful because I 
love watching my kids play sports. Like, you know, obviously my husband played football. Mm -hmm. I play basketball my life. I didn't play in college, but I love, neither did I. (laughs) (laughs) Another another shared. (laughs) I said, I watched them play college. Sorry. Oh my God. But that it's like, so, so a lot of times I get really excited about like her doing stuff. And I, I know my daughter firstborn loves praise, right? We went through an experience in school where she was having anxiety about like, if she would miss one homework or something. And, And we are very laid back parents when it comes to school. We're like, Hey, unless there's a major problem here, like the goal is just go learn and do your best. And Um, but she was freaking out. And so I talked to her teacher and she's like, you know what? I wonder if she's worried about what would happen if she, you know, cause she is the, the smart, the kind, the good goalie. And, and she's probably going, what, 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 who, what am I going to be if I come home with a missed word on my spelling? That's why they love me because I'm perfect. And and, and obviously it's not true, but yourself in a 10 year old mind. And they're like, I don't want to take a bad paper home because I like the praise. And so that lesson in itself was such a big piece for me. So we started having mistake parties whenever she came home. So if she like missed a spelling test, we would turn on music and start dancing. Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah, she missed one. She learned something new. And she would laugh about it. But I was so grateful for that encouragement from that teacher because it helps me look at all this other stuff too. So when she, you know, came off the field after a bad game, you know, immediately it was, it's my fault. I don't want to do this anymore because it wasn't the praise. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's even like in the car being careful about how we talk about her games when she plays well. So I've learned that Uh like when she gets in the car, um, and, and it's hard because, you know, both Jason and I are athletes, right? And so we both were like, coach, 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 like, here's what you could have done, you know, but, but her goalie trainer has really helped me and going like, listen, she already knows, and that's not your job. Right. So I'll say to her like, Hey, what did you think of the game? What did you think of how, how you played? Or, and if she'd be like, Oh, it was really hard. I'm like, okay. So what'd you learn from that? You know? And like, cool, let's go get some ice cream. Right. Mm -hmm. And so just, and she also plays the saxophone. And so it's, so it's interesting too. Like we just had to fill out, like, you know, get to know you for, you know, her fifth grade and like, what do you want us to know? And it's being mindful of what I wrote down because she was going to read it. Like, and if I was Uh, like, she's a soccer goalie, she loves soccer. She's a really smart kid. Then she's like, okay, that's how my mom identifies me. What did you write? What do you say? (laughs) I know. So I was like, she is so creative and often, you know, likes to come up with um, like characters in a book. Um, She's, she's learning how to play the saxophone. She um, is actually, she thinks makeup is really cool. So like, I just named off diversify (laughs) a a variety of things for her because you're right. You know, I, I I mean, I remember it when I stopped playing basketball, like it was, again, it was my whole, my dad was my coach and I went to Penn state and all of a sudden, like I wasn't a basketball player. Like who was I? But like, then how I- did you not go into depression? Like, I mean, I, my life was, I, I, I lost 10 years of my life just in like, just went downhill all because the only thing I identified with was gone. How were you able to not go yeah. down that road? I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how I did candidly. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, well, there was part of it too. What was kind of nice for me is I played on a traveling club team for Penn state. So we got to like go down and play, like we would travel like hours and still play, but it wasn't the, 
you know, the intensity of it. So I still felt like I got to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that there's a, there's an answer to that other than to say, like, I'm just really mindful, especially when it comes to sports, because we are a two parent athlete. Yeah. Like My one, husband played in the NFL. One our kid, yeah. Want our kid to be the one who does well. And yeah, I haven't you, thought about that old athlete comes out. Oh my gosh, is your old. And when you're sitting on the sidelines and like the goal goes by your kid, you like feel it. Like it's like, it has, it is, it it literally couldn't be more not about me, but in my head, you know, I do it. It's like the parent ego comes in where you like want to have that game where everyone's coming up to you and going, Oh, she played really well. But, but it's not about us. That's you know? so true. I worry about that with my son because my husband played in the NFL for nine years. So yeah. everybody's like, is he going to play football? And it's the first thing is like, now that we know about CTE, can't, is he going to be, that's what usually people ask. Are you going to let him play football? And my husband's always like, how do you know he has any interest? Like he almost doesn't want him to have to, if he played football and it's like, oh, that's Marcus Washington's kid. Like, he's like, I hope he doesn't play football. Like it's like that expectation. And he's there. Both my kids are, I mean, I'm five ten, and my husband's six, four. My daughter is as tall as the teacher in first grade. And everybody that's the first thing they say, Oh my gosh, you're so tall. You're so tall. And I'm like, can we not make it a thing? So yes. people just expect them to be like athletic. Cause they're just like bigger kids. And I don't want, like, it's just like a pressure and I don't want, I don't know who knows if they'll even play sports, but yeah, we're both, both of us are athletes too. And it's going to be like, I want them to, but like, I also don't want my firstborn, the girl to be the perfectionist psychopath that I turned into. Cause I had three younger sisters and they all had great uh, college careers. All four of us played division one soccer, all three of their careers. Perfect. Like perfect as could be no mental health issues, no eating disorders. And then there was me and they didn't like stress it. Like they didn't, it was like, oh, we're going to conditioning. Maybe I'll go for a run. And I was like every day out there shooting. I had a kickback in the backyard, I was kicking on the kickback and shoot, doing penalty kicks and obsessive. And I was the one whose career didn't work out. So it's like, how do you just, like, it's fine. It's, it, it doesn't have to, not everything has to be perfect. Um, like people like you and I just sharing the imperfections of our life. And that's what I want to ask you. When did you get to the point where you had enough self-love and self-worth that you can share everything because people say that to me too. They're like, Oh my God, you just talk so openly. And I'm like five years ago. Absolutely not. Like you, I had the perfect Instagram page and I would never be on camera without makeup. And it's like, when did you find that self-love that you felt comfortable enough to be like, this is me and I'm sharing it. What a good and important question. Um, Mm. you know, I'm, I'm trying to think if I can identify the time that it happened, but I know that it was a transition for me to come out of corporate America mm-hmm. and then go right into motherhood and entrepreneurship because in corporate America, it was kind of like, okay, you're representing this company. And so you like almost like took on the, this persona, like this is how I should be as a salesperson in this yes. company, right? Yes. This is what's expected of me to then go to be a photographer. And I was over questioning, like, what do I wear to a session? I want to be professional. I want people to look at me as professional, but I also need to take pictures like, and like throw myself on the ground to move. What do I wear? And so it was just, it was like this process. And I think there, you know, at just some point you really start to go like, I am so unhappy just trying to like be everybody else. I'll even say this to you. So and, and I think with all that you talk about with body image and stuff. So I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I, every time I go to do anything with my business, right. I'm always like, okay, Brie, like you're, you want to be a speaker. So you need to like dress the part of a speaker. You need to look the part. Or sometimes I'm like, do I wear my hair down or do I wear it up? Because how do I want to look? Mm-hmm. And it's freaking exhausting. You want to, you know, what? you want to know how I want to look. I want to look however I want to look that day because my brand is me. Like yes. and if I want to put some earrings on and put my hair down and wear a sweatshirt because it's like gross outside. That's what I'm going to do because I've learned that every good thing that has ever happened to me has come when I am my most authentic self, when I just trust my gut <laughs> and just, and, and I look at, I look at the people around me in my life. So I don't know about you, but I've noticed like in my twenties, I was like, I need everybody. Like I want lots of people <laughs> to invite them to the party. I need to like, look like I'm the one that everybody likes and everybody wants to come. If we, Jason, if we have a party at the house, we can't have just five people. We need 20 because we need to look a certain way. And then you realize like all this drama that you bring in. And as I slowly started to be my authentic self, I started to realize that certain people left that probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. But the people that are close to me, which are a small handful, are the people that really matter and enhance my life. And I feel like I can enhance theirs. I'll say when we moved into this house over four years ago, we moved from Cleveland to Pittsburgh. And I knew I was moving into a neighborhood of a very close knit neighborhood. And you talk about women, right? You put 10 women together and you're like, this could be, this is either going to be wonderful or awful. Right. (laughs) And I had to consciously say to myself, don't try to fit in. Right. I had to do that. Like, don't try to fit in. You're going to lead with who you are, you know? And so I show up, I'm like, Hey guys, I'm like, so let's talk about mental health, you know, like, (laughs) like, Hey, let me tell you about the fight I just had, you know? And I just did that. And it like, and, and it opened up space for people to do the same thing. And it's in the the best connections that I have with people are like, when I'm the first one to kind of be like, Hey, this really sucks. And they're like, you know what? This really sucks for me too. And I haven't talked about it. Yeah. So I didn't answer your question, but I just think it was a slow realization that it's like a slow death when you're just constantly trying to be other people. And especially in our world, there's a gazillion people that do what we do. There's a gazillion podcasts. There's a gazillion moms out there talking about mom life. Yes. But what, what's different about me? Like, it, because nobody else has my story. Nobody else has yes. your story. And I think that that's the key. And when I, when I go and speak at conferences, which I get to go to, to one next month to bloggers and content creators, you know, we can look at these people who have a million followers and we're like, okay, they do it that way. So that must be the way to do it. Right. It's like, no, they probably got there because they did it their way. Yes. Um, So I just learned that like every time I led with an authentic foot, I felt better. I felt more connected to people. I felt like it opened up space for other people. And so I think the more you do that and the more you practice that, I mean, believe me, I, I, I held my finger over post on that, you know, where I'm squeezing my, my belly. Like, is this crazy? Like, why am I putting this on the internet? This is nuts. And then I was like, is there one person I'm looking at the, at what I wrote? I'm like, is there one person that needs somebody to say it? Yes. And I was like, yes. So you know what? I'm going to take that gift of authenticity and it's going to feel uncomfortable and awkward and put it out there. Then I get all these messages and this connection with people. I always say, own our story and live our truth. You, you get to live freely and you attract the people that, again, you can impact their life and they want to impact yours. And is there any other way to live? Yes. That TED talk that I'm trying to like craft right now. It's like, I say, release the thing. And then you can find your purpose. And people are like, well, how do you, 
You put yourself out there authentically and organically into the world. And what is for you will find you. I truly believe, like you just said, you said all the best things that happened to you. It was just you being your authentic self. I got this show because I was on Instagram live bitching about how hard it was to mom in a pandemic. And I was like, I have a two and a four-year-old. The, the playgrounds are closed. The schools are closed. Like what the hell are we supposed to do with our kids? Then I would like bring moms on. It was like, pour a cocktail. We're going to talk about what to do. Scavenger hunt, find a stop sign, find a squirrel. And I was like, this is good. So it was like every Thursday night, uh, pour a cocktail and moms could, it was like something to look forward to entertaining, but like also like best practices during a pandemic and a radio station was watching unbeknownst to me, I'm being exactly who I am. And they gave me the show. And I say now, like if there had been like podcast one as uh, auditioning new host, I would never audition for that. I would never consider that that would be for me, but what was for me came to me when I was putting myself out there authentically. And you said the same thing. You did answer the question. That's when you feel comfortable. Good things happen when you're authentically and organically yourself. And that's what other people need to do. And the other thing I need to say is that's how I feel about my bulimic days picture, because I'm always like, find your best self. And I got in the best shape of my life. And people were like, uh, like even my book editor, she's like, you have abs on the cover. And I'm like, those are new. Like I know I was like, I struggled. So now when I do like before and after it, and I, it's, I, it's, it's the finger over the button. I'm like, I'm about to put this picture of myself out into the internet that people are going to be able to find. But it's like, it's the direct messages that you get from women that are like, like I have a handful of women. They're like, you're the only person that I've told that I struggled with bulimia. My husband doesn't know, but because you said it and I want to be that for someone else. But then I get into the point where I'm it's like imposter syndrome and people I'm like, I don't know if this is the right thing to tell you. Cause I become like a life coach to them. And I'm like coaching them, but I'm like, but I, you should seek help because I want to help you, but I I'm not a professional, but I, this is my calling. Like, I know that I'm supposed to do this and you don't need to know what it is yet. But it, like you just said, if you put yourself out into the universe and just like watch what happens like that's when everything happened, just be you in a place I just thought of to start is like, what have you come through? Like, if someone's listening to this, like, I feel like there's more for my life, but I don't know where to start. Speak on the thing that you've made it through. Cause someone else is still in it and you will find purpose helping them out. And hopefully that inspires a mom listening to this. It's like, I know, like, I feel itchy, like there's something else, but you're not supposed to say that out loud. I felt itchy. I wasn't fulfilled and you can have both. Yeah. And everyone's, you know, and everyone's hard gets to be hard too. And like, I think sometimes people are afraid to be authentic because they're like, they start to compare, you know, I have three kids, a mom who has one toddler will come to me and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Well, I have no room talking to you because you have a four-year-old. I'm like, yes, yes you do. right. Because your reality is your reality independent of my reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Same thing that I went through when my, you know, I had friends around me who were struggling to get pregnant or, you know, didn't have helpful spouses. And here I was with three healthy, beautiful children that we didn't have to try very hard for. Um, I had a business and a husband who loved me and a family of support. How dare I struggle? Sometimes we're afraid to say it out loud because we're like, we don't get to be because we're afraid someone's going to say, oh, you think you have it hard, which is worse. I cannot stand that. You think that's bad. You know, it's like everybody has their thing and your thing gets to be 
your thing. And I think that's where therapy helps because when it's just one-on-one, like it gets to be your thing and you don't have to worry about judgment, Mm -hmm. but you know, the friends that say, I know this is silly that I'm crying about this, but you know, but it's like, it's not silly because it's your reality. And I think that's a lot of the reason that people struggle to be authentic is because we, people can be very judgy. The internet is really judgy. Mm -hmm. Um, I had somebody, you know, post on my thing, like, Oh, poor skinny girl added a few pounds. Right. And, and it's like, okay, because that was my big fear of putting it out there is because like I, my whole life have been an athlete and have been relatively thin. Right. And, but my body significantly changed when I turned 37 and I'm navigating it still and trying to figure out like how to live in this body and figure out how to love it and all that stuff. But why, why am I not allowed to struggle with that? Like, imagine if you said to me, like, oh, you think that's bad. Look at what I went through. Right. Like, we're not doing that. Your struggle was your struggle. And that gets to be yours. And this is mine. And mm-hmm. and and a lot of that comes from people who go, gosh, I wish that was my problem. Right. Like, oh, I wish that was my problem, that that, that was what was going on or whatever. And I and and that it takes healing work because I can do that, too. Like, I can do that to people where I hear them say something like, well, you, think that's, you know, and then I catch myself. It's like, no, that's their heart. And it gets to be they're hard. And, um, and I think it's just, it's hard. It's authenticity. You know, people say like, gosh, like you just put it out there. I'm like, yeah, but I've been, I've been doing this for six years now. That's where I wanted to ask you. Like, when did you get to the point where you put it out there and you don't feel so insecure when then you push the button and it's like, this is, it is what it is. But it's yes. like when you did it, you you found your people like hundred thousand people like yeah. we're like me too. So if you're not pushing the button, push the button. And yeah. I'm just over here like oh push the button, and I'm the one over there like responding to every comment. People are like just restrict or block, and I'm like without defending my honor first. Like I go, how do I just block when I don't get to say something back? Like I have to like and people come at me for I shouldn't be talking about eating disorders. I'm not a professional. I should I say that I'm not sober, but I am working on. I'm sober curious and I drink a lot less, but it's like me saying that I'm not sober. It's like, why do you have to keep saying that you're discouraging people from sobriety? I'm like, I'm doing the opposite. I'm saying drink less. Like, and so I have to defend, but it's like, why do I have to say that? Why do I have to defend myself to every person? i still struggle with that. I, it bothers me. Yeah. I, so something that I uh, started like another branch of, I said branch and I didn't even mean to of my, <laughs> yes, you did. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> another branch of my business is I have been, um, talking to, um, uh, employee resource groups at companies. So a lot of companies now have employee resource groups where they're women or, um, those in the LGBTQ community veterans, where they, they kind of, you know, get together on like-minded things. And I've been, talking with some, doing some events for, um, the, a lot of the women's groups or just anything with wellness about self-care. And in my head, I'm going, I'm, I'm pitching these people and saying, Hey, I want to come in and talk about self-care. I'm not a therapist. I don't have a degree syndrome. I don't have a degree in self-care, right? Like that's not, but then, um, right before the pandemic, um, I had a friend from my professional sports days who is a physician and she ran a group of over a hundred women, uh, female physicians where they got together and she asked me to come and talk about self-care. And I'm like, <laughs> you're a bunch of doctors and you want me to come and talk about self-care. But the, the, the coolest thing is I went up there and I did my thing and I shared my story and the conversations I had afterwards of people going, wow, I struggle with this too. It's like, 
we all, you know, and so it's, it's not about our expertise. Um, my friend, Jerry, Carrie Geocaris, um, she said, you know, we're not, none of us are an expert in anything, but our own story. And so when I go to these companies, I even say that out loud when I'm doing the, the speaking things, like you might be wondering, like, who's this chick? Like, you know, why is she the one coming to talk to us about self-care? But I realize that my thing is I have a gift of vulnerability, a gift of sharing my story and a gift of creating space for people to think, you know, mm. and, and that's all that I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say I'm an expert in self-care. I'm not, not mm. a therapist. I don't have the degree, but I am saying that I'm an expert in my own story. And if that story can help somebody else, yeah. um, and, and I love that. And I, I specifically love bringing it to companies because, you know, going back to kind of what I said before, sometimes when you work for a company, like you are, you're, you're like trying to figure out how can you be yourself and at the same time, like make sure that you're representing the company well. And I think self-care, when we talk about it for moms, it's really for everybody. Like it's a tool for success. Like if you practice self-care and you, it allows you to go to work as your best self, right? Just like it allows us to come to motherhood as our best self, come to marriage as our best self, right? It just so, sounds but- indulgent. It doesn't, it, it's making you better, but it sounds like, oh, self-care Sunday. It's like, oh, like I, it's, it's like the sound of it to me, but yeah. it's, it's necessary. And it, it brings you back to your job, to your spouse, to your child better. It's yeah. not a, like, it's not an indulgent thing that you should have guilt over, but yeah. I still do. It sounds indulgent because the internet has told us for years that it's indulgent and you and I have a job now to, <laughs> to change it and to say, no, it's not indulgent. It's, yeah. This is what we do. No hiding, like pushing through and not talking about it isn't the way. The way is to to talk about it because it's the only way we're going to get through it with each other. And so it's interesting. It's like it sounds self-indulgent. It's like, again, who decided that it's self-indulgent? Yeah. Just like for you, who decided that, you know, doing all the things is is what makes me, you know, valuable to my family? Like who decided that? Well, you know, we, we heard, heard it, it somewhere, but there's it's ingrained in us. And so. Yeah. Like I look at what you and I do, Aaron, as like, let's, let's be the ones to say no, like it doesn't have to be that way. Like authenticity and being real should be the norm. Right. And, and it's not easy. I, neither of us are here to say that it's easy to, you know, obviously we show up on the internet to thousands of people, but even like for the moms who show up to the PTA, who show up to the wine night, who show up to, you know, any sort of get together and have that feeling of like, am I going to fit in or can I be real here? Right. Like, you know, just because you and I do it on this big scale, if you're listening, you know, we've all been in those scenarios where we walk in and we're like, don't know if we can be ourselves, you know, it takes practice, but when Mm -hmm. you are yourself, you know, you, you will, you will enjoy that moment so much more and you'll connect with the people that, you know, you're meant to connect with as well. If people are inspired and want more, where can they find you? Yes. So you can find me at the thinking branch, both on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and I also want to say to anybody who is a part of a company, um, whether you're a leader or whether you're a company with an employee resource group, um, I would love to bring this message to your group. And, um, based on the ones that we've done so far, it's something that's needed. Like we, we need to be talking about this in all aspects of life. And that includes workplace as well. So, um, if that's the case, you can email me too at Brie, B-R-E-A at the thinking branch.com. And what is coming next for you? You really had to ask that, didn't you? <laughs> Manifest it. Speak it. Yes. It's the, so the podcast. So I'm actually, I'm talking to Aaron on my fancy um, Yeti um, podcast mic that I bought two and a half years ago and I was supposed to start my podcast and I've recorded my first episode 15 times, um, but I'm going to put it out in the universe again. This is what I love to do. Like 
I did not know you before this. And now we've had this connection in, in an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I think the podcast, I just want another platform to be able to have these conversations and invite people in to have these conversations. And maybe you can be one of my guests. I would definitely. <laughs> Thinking Branch podcast coming soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. Splash Weather Repel Premium Windshield Wash features a three-in-one formula that repels rain, sleet, snow, and bugs while leaving a streak-free shine. And its advanced beating technology keeps you seeing safely all year long. See safely on the road when you apply a little splash. Pick some up at Walmart today. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our ultimate Sleep Number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed plus special financing, only for a limited time. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details.